Welcome to this episode of Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers, the Geek Whisperer. In this episode, we're talking all about events. Joining us, we have Faye Holland from Cofinitiv, and we have Vicky Barcroft, who runs her own events agency. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Events are really a cornerstone of what we do at the Bradfield Centre. In fact, before the crisis hit, we were doing more than 300 a year. So I'm really interested to hear from two experts um, the importance of events in any kind of marketing plan and helping to build community, um, how people are adapting and and, and kind of uh, coping with the uh, restrictions that are currently in place with physical coming together. Uh, people coming together and then finally just asking them to predict a little bit about what's going to happen after the lockdown restrictions start to ease and how quickly people will come back and will events return to some uh, sort of normality. Well you know me I like to be uh, very specific and go into tools and details and actions so I'll be very interested to hear what platforms they suggest um, people run events on professionally in the meanwhile, because, you know, I had to postpone my billion pound event as well. And I, was, I think a lot of people, the Brightsville, will be in that sort of situation. So can't wait to hear more about that. So really delighted to be joined by two guests uh, for this episode. We have Vicky Barcroft and Faye Holland joining us. Uh, welcome to you both. Today's episode is all about events, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck straight in. Adelina, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Can you tell us, uh, can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm Vicky, obviously, and um, I actually run my um, own events business, um, all around doing events for impact. Um, I've worked with lots of different clients, including the Bradfield Centre, which is a fabulous place to work with. And um, also one of my clients is um, Arm at the moment, so I head up their internal events team but I have a lot of experience in doing lots of different marketing events as well so really looking forward to getting involved in this chat. Hi Adelina, hi James, hi Vicky, Um, good to be here today. So I run a company called Cofinitive, it's a communications company and we develop and execute integrated marketing strategies which include events, PR, the, the whole marketing mix. And we do that locally, nationally and internationally. But we're based here in Cambridge and very familiar with the Bradfield Centre. So can you both tell us a bit uh, more about your um, your opinion or your take on how important are events in any PR or marketing plan? Um, not taking COVID into account. We'll talk about that later. Okay, so I'm happy to go first and and then pass over to Vicky. So I think in terms of integrated communication, events are incredibly important. And I think at the moment, everyone's relatively fixated on virtual events and conferences and those types of things. But events are much bigger than that. They're, you know, anything from press launches to stakeholder engagement to briefings and the all-important networking. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree, Faye. Um, they're, real, they're a real integral part to any any sort of external marketing plan, but also internally as well. Um, it, I think they're second to none when really trying to engage with audiences and getting people in the same room together. Um, and you know, getting that whole message across, regardless whether it's it is a conference and it's something you need to tell all of your customers, or it's um, it's something like a launch, as you say, where you want to get that official message across to everybody. Um, and you know, it's it's more of an experience um, than than a lot of different methods of communication. Um, I think that it really helps to bring a brand to life as well. You sort of go to an event and you can live a brand. Um, if if you know we're talking about you know, those really important marketing um, marketing events, uh, talking about trade shows, which are very important to a lot of companies to go out and showcase what they're offering against their com- competition as well. Um, so I think. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity to get people talking together, um, and and that is um, absolutely key to help any PR and marketing plan. So I'm sure most of our listeners have been to an event of some kind, if it's a networking event or a conference or a meetup or something like that. But we shouldn't assume everyone has. So do you want to just kind of run us through the importance of coming together as a physical community and the kind of additional benefits you get from actually meeting people face to face? Yeah, I think it's. Um... It's it's it is that more sort of impromptu meeting. You're sort of bumping into people. You're making real connections. Humans are really, are for the most part, really social beings. And meeting meeting people face to face is very different than just hearing a voice or or even on video call. You can um you know learn learn things from around other people that you wouldn't necessarily create a meeting just to ask them you wouldn't necessarily have their contact details to create that sort of meeting in a, in a virtual space um and i think it's it's it, it's that that really is really key and obviously if you've got lots of customers for example in a room together um you will you will find those customers talking to each other and hopefully waxing lyrical about how amazing this brand is and what a fantastic experience they've had and and other people hearing that rather than just reading it and um, if they can put a face to it i think i think it's really important um and collaboration happens um much more easily um you know getting getting people to brainstorm and, and bounce off each other i think is really important to yeah and I think Vicky I'd add to that it's we're slightly different here in Cambridge as well um so having worked globally you get to see lots of the the things demonstrated that you've just referred to but there was um I want to come back to something that was done probably about 18 months ago and it was an economic report on Cambridge and it was about this really unique culture of networking that we have here um, and, and I think that part of it is is how we can help businesses to elevate themselves and to generate growth and you know as an exemplar Cambridge is great at putting people together whether it's at events like at the Bradfield Centre and let, letting those random collisions happen that create really great things. Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, I guess I'm biased. I mean, I'm a huge fan of events in all their kind of different shapes and sizes. I mean, Adelina, your event, the, the Cambridge Billion Pound Scale Up Challenge, people are very vulnerable at that event because they're coming and sharing a challenge, which I think is quite unique to an in-person event in the style that you've created. I mean, you'd ne- I don't think you'd be able to achieve a, a similar kind of result by doing that remotely or virtually. That's a very good point, James. This was one of the things I was going to say that, um, I had to postpone my event to November 
Um, it was in May, the billion pound event where people were going to pitch a business challenge because, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to feel vulnerable enough when there's a screen in front of them rather than a bunch of people smiling at them. Um, so I think that, yeah, you made a really good point there. And actually, one, one point I wanted to make about, make about online events um, that I read somewhere was that the reason they're so tiring comparing to face-to-face events, you know, you can do a face-to-face event for a whole day. Well, if you do it online, you can't do it longer than three hours maximum. And the reason for that apparently is because the brain thinks that people are there, but the body knows that they aren't because it doesn't feel the energy of the people in the room. And that's why this fight between the brain and the body exhausts people. And that's why we can't be online for too long. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I guess that's a good segue to sort of move into then how COVID has affected the events industry for want of a better term i mean obviously it's 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 hit it hard because of the restrictions on people coming together i mean vicky or faye i mean what are your thoughts in terms of the uh, the impact that we're seeing i mean obviously it's been you're right it's a absolute huge impact one of the first industries to really be um sort of completely taken out to be honest during coronavirus um everything shut down um and you know i think especially from from a, a venue and hotel point of view um and, and obviously travel as well um for those global events um it's 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 a real struggle um i think there's a lot of unknown about virtual events they've been around for a while but um but people in the positions to run the events aren't necessarily um, fully aware of all the options and are trying to scrabble around to adapt to try and do something and, and not knowing those key bits of information Adelina you mentioned that absolutely three hours is, is maximum that you can do on a on a day for a virtual event and you know I at, at arm for example um you know there's been certain events where we had to we had to go ahead um and and run a virtual event um because it was an important kickoff event that that had had a time it had to be there was no postponing it um and that brings a lot of challenges but i think it's um you know there are so many businesses struggling in the events industry there are so many missed opportunities that you know people are using um where people should have been using events for you know uh, marketing and it's having a key impact on sales figures and and all of those things um, but on the flip side the online events industry is absolutely booming and one of the platforms that that I've already used to deliver a conference virtually um, now has a 12-week lead time so there's there's um there's a, a huge switch happening at the moment I, I think context is quite an important thing as well though you know Online events have been running for years. You know, you, in the Bradfield Centre, you have Business of Software. They've run hybrid events where they've streamed live um, and run in person. So these things have existed all the time. I think they've just come more to the fore at the moment because it is the only option. Uh, but that g- it gives us a great opportunity to actually reset because being a little bit controversial here, there are an awful lot of events out there that quite frankly shouldn't exist. And so if we can reset the event organizers a little bit to deliver more compelling events, then that's a good thing. But I do wanna go back to actually the effect on the events industry. It is catastrophic. 
as Vicky said, the hotels, the event venues, places like that. But it's much more than that. It's the whole supply chain. It's the it's the event planners. It's the exhibition stand builders. It's it's all of those types of organisations. And we've seen some huge decisions made that actually affect economies of other countries. Mobile World Congress cancelling massive effects on Barcelona. MIPIM um, over in Cannes. You know, the, this is it's a it's a really big impact, and it's a huge question as to whether those types of events will ever recover. Vicky, you mentioned this platform that people can run events on, and can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I'm trying to understand how people are adapting. You know, going virtual. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've used quite a few platforms already and, and Faye is absolutely right. They have been around for years. Um, and But but also, yeah, it, it is now that people are suddenly adapting that and using them. Um, and um, it, it is going crazy. But um, there's lots of different types of things. It depends um, on what sort of virtual event you want to do depending on your audience and again I'm, I'm going to relate back to what Faye said earlier I think it's a fantastic opportunity if I'm if I'm honest obviously hugely love events realize the importance of getting people together but this opportunity is is actually quite amazing to reset as Faye said um it's it's forcing people to actually look, well, do we have to do this event? Why are we doing this event? Let's get back to the beginnings of why and, and how we're going to do it. Look at the objectives. Think strategically about how that fits into marketing plans or internal communications or, you know, what, what are we really trying to achieve and how are we going to measure it? Um on top of that, I think it also is is helping to repurpose content because of that sort of three hour a day time limit. Um, you know, trying to shorten content, really get your point across quickly um, in a really succinct um, manner and, um, you know, helping to educate speakers how to deliver that rather than, you know, we've all been there when some people have waffled on for an hour, for example. Um, there's, um, there is a real opportunity. So going back to once you know the real reasons why you're doing the event and you've made the decision that you want to do it, there are various platforms that will showcase that best. Um, VFairs, is the one I was referring to earlier. Um, and that is a, um, there's, there's plenty more out there. There's On24 and a few others um, that do a similar job. But this is sort of trying to create um, a, a virtual event conference center, if you like. So you walk in, you go into a lobby, there's videos popping up, you can hover over people and get their details. Um, you can go to a help desk, you click through to an auditorium, um, you can click through to an exhibition hall, um, and there's lots of on-demand content available. There's live chat going on. Um, you know, So it becomes a bit more of an immersive experience. And it's, let's face it, just not another video call because um, everybody is living on those at the moment for, for people who are working and having all of their meetings on on uh, zoom or um, teams or, or whatever whatever platform they're using um so so there's that style of platform there are some great networking platforms as well and um, one i've used is remo um, and and you can do a lot with that actually you can still present to a whole audience but you can um, hop into virtual tables um, and it's set out with lots of tables um, and you can you can literally just click in you can name topics on the tables and um, there's maximum of six people in each of those tables so you can have a, a bit more of a one-to-one -one conversation or a breakout um, but it, it can feel a little bit more natural as well than than sort of being 
pre-selected to go into specific breakout rooms. Um, so there's, there's lots of different platforms that you can use. And I, I strongly recommend people sort of looking into that a little bit. Once Again, once you know exactly why you're doing this event and if it's if it's an event that is actually genuinely important enough to make sure that you try and map it over into a virtual event you scrap your your what your normal event would be anyway um and you completely redesign it um work with your speakers work with the content work with um your marketing and your um your stakeholders and create something new that that hopefully will actually really help to hit those um, hit those objectives better than potentially your face-to-face one would have done. Um, so if, there is there is great opportunity and some really great platforms out there. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, I've got a got a bit of a kind of two-part question, really. I think going back to Facepoint, um, I was in a similar conversation a few days ago, um, and it feels like because you know before covid the bar was relatively high to organize an event you know you had to go find a venue you had to invest you know potentially money in terms of making that happen pull together the agenda the speakers get you know market the event to bring people together and make the effort uh, by going online you know i think that bar's come down a little bit and it's actually easy relatively easy now to run your own events and i think that has led to a quantity versus quality problem that you kind of referenced, Faye. Um, so the kind of two-part question, I guess, is, you know, what's your opinion on the just the sheer volume of virtual events that are on offer at the moment? And then maybe kind of picking up, Vicky, on what you were talking about there is maybe if what would your tips be to any companies or people listening that are thinking about running their own events during this kind of virtual period that we're operating in? So I think the quality versus quantity is very relevant um it, you all, you have to also ignore the fact that everyone is doing everything on zoom or skype or whatever tool it is they are not events they're meetings you know so if people are starting to do that all the time then they do get extremely fatigued in going to other online events so um i think that's kind of of my first point that events they have to be designed, and, and Vicky's already said this, they have to be designed really specifically. Those that think that they can run the event that was previously planned um, online just in the same format, they won't have a successful event. And actually, I think we're going to go through a period of some really bad events um, online before people actually understand that they have to take a slightly different approach and I just want to pick up on one other thing with regards to platforms there are a lot of platforms out there but this there's a saying about a tool and a fool um, that I think most of you will already know um, if you don't know what you're doing you are going to deliver a bad a bad event so actually there are professionals out there that can help you as well and I'm talking about a lot of the venue um, the AV type companies that can help you um, really transform what you do. And it's again, it's it's using a third party to professionalize what your approach is. And I would encourage people to look at that as opposed to just looking at the online platforms. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Faye. Um, and um, the virtual events I've been involved with so far, um, we've definitely got agencies involved, um, whether it's to help think about events in a virtual way a little bit better and to really 
you know, make the most out of a shorter space of time with how we come up with agendas and we make sure each session is different and it's not just somebody talking for 20 minutes and then another person talking for 20 minutes and so on. Um, and on top of that, as you say, absolutely, AV and production is still really, really important to do an event. Um, so it's a really good uh, point you mentioned about um you know, the difference between meetings and events. And it, it is huge in the in the sort of physical space. And it's it's um, absolutely the same when you when you transfer that into virtual. Um, so top tips would actually be to get an agency involved. Make sure you, you still produce that event to the sort of high level that you would have produced in, um, you know, in a physical setting. There's, you sort of think about it a little bit more like a, a TV show, potentially. Um, you know, you have your different sessions, you you have somebody live mixing things in, um, controlling that sort of, you know, um, you know, the right graphics on the screen at the right time. Um, you, you still have panels and interviews. Um, you can still have you still have breaks, which is very important and something that people seem to forget in a virtual world. People still need, you know, their comfort breaks and to get some water and all of those things, um, which is really important. Um, obviously, we've already talked about capping out, um, you know, probably ideally two to three hours um, each day. And um, definitely get, getting help, um, mixing it up, getting help, and also making sure there's space to actually network. Because um, as we talked about right at the beginning, and it's and virtual events aren't a complete replacement for that human um, face-to-face interaction, but they're a good interim measure before we can move to hybrid, which is probably, I think, what will happen. Um, you know, you can you can use stuff like Remo if it's the right fit, um, and if you've had that right advice and you've got somebody to help you work it, they're absolutely correct. There's no point in in getting a tool, not really knowing how to make the most out of it, and just throwing it in there for the sake of it. You've you've got to like you would, you know, decide on a venue, um, make sure it's fit for purpose, make sure you know um, people can get to it and use it easily and all of those things, you still have to do that in the virtual world. It's just a platform instead of a venue. Well, can I actually make a couple of points? Cause I think this is really inter- interesting to me as well, cause I run events and I hadn't thought about it in this way and it's really important. So it sounds, what, what I'm hearing is it sounds like there's a, before COVID, there were a lot of events. Uh, people thought that, Oh, I can just throw an event together. It can't be that hard. And there's an art to it. It sounds like there's a big art and a strategy to it. Um, which is which is interesting because that's the way I was thinking about it, but I hadn't realized other people don't think about it that way. So that was really interesting. And the other thing that I'm hearing, which uh, seems to separate the man for the boys and the women, the girls from the women in post-COVID running events era, is that um, the the people who really understand events are the ones who are going to show now because now we're getting a lot of mulch, a lot of um, not quite so good events, and now you're really starting to see who can run a proper one uh, and translating that into a, into a good online experience. And on, on those platforms you mentioned, Vicky, um, uh, v, uh, VFairs or On24, um, am I wrong in thinking they sound a little bit like Second Life? You know, they sound a little bit almost like a video game uh, where you're interacting in a virtual world. I mean, to me, that sounds quite interesting and exciting as a, as a concept of running events in that sort of space. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, it's it's not quite got to that level, although that is, um, funnily enough, I was actually trying to look into this with a few VR companies and um, and potentially gaming companies before COVID even happened, um, because uh, virtual events would actually help a lot of other issues like around sustainability and availability of speakers traveling halfway around the world and all of that. But parking that, um, it's not quite there. Um, it's not fully, I mean, there, there will be, I'm sure it a, a quite a premium at the moment um there's certainly the tech out there to, to do it um but the the sort of platforms i've been talking about um and and what's more readily available to quite easily uh, adapt into your own event and make bespoke and brand correctly and all of that they sort of are are 3d rooms um you don't really walk around them as such you sort of you can play around with a lot of things they're very interactive um but you you don't have an avatar that you um you can sort of wander around and and do that although i do think that is coming and i think that will probably happen um and and be quite readily available probably in the not too distant future because i think there is the demand for it and and as i sort of mentioned earlier i think um going down that route and and planning now for virtual events because but you're absolutely right planning it well um as as with physical events you know not just doing an event for the sake of it not doing it because you think you can throw an event together like getting the real advice and the the help and support to make sure you you really understand how to make the most out of it um once you you do that um with with a virtual event you all of that hard work and effort you put into it you can plan for it now um, and make sure that you're not hanging around to see when venues might reopen you can still use all of that and turn it into those hybrid events as soon as smaller gatherings can get together um, so for an example again again with um with arm there's actually a, a, a event series that they were actually thinking of mo- moving to virtual permanently because it makes a lot more sense. We can bring global people together across different time zones. Um, right now, it will be fully virtual, but in the future, because we understand the importance of face-to-face interaction, more localized regional groups of people will still be able to get together and do the networking bits face-to-face. Um, so it's it's sort of putting that work in now. Um, while you're sort of in this situation, making the most out of it, I guess, having a real positive um, view on it, um, making your events really great and and moving forward, um, making sure you still utilise everything you've learned as a as as a result of it, I guess. One thing I think we're missing with regards to events is it it always works well if you're a gregarious, you want to be um, out there networking with people, connecting with people, but actually what digital gives us, what virtual events give us, is a way of being more inclusive. For those people who want to go and learn and be involved and that's where second life the concept of it was a great idea and you know vicky you're right we'll, we will get um other solutions that are are you know replacing what that was trying to do but i think in the this situation now gives us a real opportunity for being much more inclusive in our approach um for events and then the other thing is i i think again long this is a long-term play so microsoft have cancelled all of their in-person events including ces which is huge they've cancelled all of their events until summer 2021 
So we're going to start to see a lot of creative things coming from the Microsofts, the Facebooks, the Arms, you know, all the, the big companies. And that's brilliant because everyone else can learn from those things too. Yeah, completely agree, Faye. Um, the inclusivity piece, absolutely. I think I had um, got it on a note somewhere. <laughs> um, but So thank you for bringing it up because um, there's, a, there's a real example of, of the difference um, how more involved people have actually got in in the online space, asking questions to people like the CEOs and um, the exec committees in places like Arm and um, certainly with others as well. Just, you know, people feel that they've, you know, actually got a bit of protection behind the screen sometimes. And I think that does allow people to get more involved. So you can, and, and on that as well, I think there's, it's very, um, it's very easy to actually track that better. So from when you go back into the beginning of the conversation, how important events are in, in marketing PR plans, um, they are, but it, they are notoriously hard to to track um, the real the real ROI or the real impact, um, it can be done, but it but it is quite hard. But the virtual space not only allows more interaction to happen in a in a lot of cases, um, because it is that more inclusive space. But it's um, but it is it is a way that you can actually say, well, you know, these many conversations happened. This person was, you know, speaking with this person. We made sure that they were online at the right time. We invited them to sort of one to one meetings more easily. And all of those things um, can can sort of come into a, a report, your post event report afterwards and really showcase actually what happened during this event. Um, you know, because it is a world of just getting all the data <laughs> these days. So it absolutely is. I like the measurable outcomes. That's a really good point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we, uh, in terms of just kind of, I guess, taking us through to the end uh, of the conversation, I'm going to ask you both to become uh, predictors of the future. Um, so, I mean, I'd love to get your your takes on you know how you see as the lockdown restrictions start to get relaxed as we go through the summer you know do you do you predict people are going to have missed coming together as a community and will, will be keen to come back to physical events do you think there'll be some hesitation do you think the kind of mix of in-person and virtual is here to stay and you'll see that hybrid as a as an ongoing thing well, well, tell us what you think it'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts Yes, is my, my answer to that, actually. <laughs> Just yes to all of that. <laughs> to all of those things, yeah. Yeah, all of it, absolutely. Um, I do think I do think hybrid um, will be here to stay for for a, for quite a long time, if, if not forever. And I certainly, I think it will put another type of event into the mix when you're assessing what type of event is going to best fit what you're trying to achieve. You can actually some events might work better completely virtual, some will work better hybrid, and once we can again, some will work better completely face to face. Um, and I, I think that is that is really key. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think there's going to be some real hesitation from people. Um, some people will be those people that are like, right, I can do it. I'm getting straight there. I'm going straight to an event. I cannot wait to be in a room full of 100, 1,000 people. Um, some people will really be quite fearful still of that and um and again i think going back to phase inclusivity point i think again having virtual hybrid events makes that more inclusive for people and how they're actually feeling as a result of of covid19 and and what everyone's going through um so so yeah just yes james <laughs> 
Um, so I think you've got different phases of getting back to normal, if you like. Um, short term, I don't see any events um, really happening. We we went through a whole phase of events being postponed March to June, you know, starting to see the July to September. Um, so I think that that is indication of, uh, of itself as to what's happening with the industry. And I think that the reputational risk is a huge part to play in that. You know, do companies want to run an event when something track and trace may happen and it goes back to their event? So I think reputational risk will very much dictate that and it could potentially run up until Christmas. However, I do, being an optimist, I would like to think that you know, October, November, we'll start to see smaller scale in-person events. And I'm talking, you know, sub 50 people, short meetings, you know, nothing, nothing too lengthy, um, which would be great news, obviously, for for our networking around Cambridge, because I know people are really missing it. People are really missing. We're human beings. You know, we like human contact. Um, but I, I agree with Vicky, hybrid events, they, they've always existed. They're now just going to become more prevalent as people realise that to travel somewhere for a one hour meeting that takes practically a day out is not an effective use of time. So I think the hybrid approach is going to be it's going to be really exciting in terms of the big events. Some countries, Germany, for example, have already China, they've opened up the trade shows. Some parts of America have as well. Um, the issue is going to actually be, do the people want to go? And, and also, will their company let them go? Um, so, so I think you're talking the middle of next year before that will really start to pick up again. So we have no choice but to evolve and adapt. And I think that as, as Vicky's given you so many examples, it's just such a great opportunity for everyone. Could I ask you a question, both of you, actually, just as a, as a person who's been through COVID and come out to the other side? Lots of people say to me, oh, you're immune now. Congratulations. You should wear a cape to say you won it. Um, do you think that, especially with track and trace coming, do you think that uh, people who've had it, you know, will be more, um, will feel more able to go to these trade shows that you're talking about or events or things like that? Or do you think we will not get to that sort of separation because uh, a lot of people are asking me this question because I'm someone who's had it and gone over it. But I'm, I'm just wondering, actually, um, what your thoughts are on that. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Do you feel immune? Do you feel you want to get out there? I, I personally uh, don't feel immune. Um, it doesn't seem to have given me any superpowers. You know, I can't lift objects just by looking at them or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a lot of people seem to be very comfortable around me and don't keep their distance with me. Um, if they know I've had it, then comparing to others, I've seen this social difference. Yeah, I mean, it, there is, I think, I think it's still, at the moment, it's still such an unknown. The the real sort of research and science hasn't been completed to to actually know how, you know, how long you're immune, um, how it works in different people. Um, so I think it, it's it's impossible. I think it will be on an, on an individual basis, um, you know, how you respond to somebody who's had it and how you respond if you are somebody that's had it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's just a, like it is with, with a lot of things at the moment, fortunately, really a bit of a waiting game just to see see what happens once once people do start to interact more again with each other and that's lockdowns lifted more and more is is yeah is is to see what what happens 
Well, that, I mean, that was a really fascinating conversation. So thanks so much uh, to Faye and Vicky for you making the time this afternoon. It's very much appreciated. Thanks, James. It's been really good. Thank you, ladies, for coming. It was interesting to hear. I got some tips already about the platforms that we can use. Um, VFairs, On24, and Remo, R-E-M-O. These are certainly three platforms that I'll be personally looking into myself, and I hope anybody listening um, will take those tips. If you want to run an event online, don't just use Zoom and mess it up. Uh, it won't look professional. These sound like much better options. I really found the the, the point on diversity really interesting. You know, I think now that people don't have to um, put so much effort in terms of traveling to and um, perhaps going into an environment of an event that might feel them make them feel uncomfortable. You know, I think Faye made the first point around about you're getting more, a more diverse crowd potentially attending virtual events, which I thought was really interesting. I think not just from a kind of uh, diversity perspective, but also it's a great opportunity if you do run an event to think about, uh, you know, a first time attendees experience, because maybe in the past, because there was that effort involved of maybe staying late after work and going to an event, or maybe taking time out of your working day to go to an event during the daytime. Now, actually, it's easier to attend a virtual event, so you're more likely to get first-time people experiencing your kind of brand and your kind of a, your, your kind of offer. So I think that's important to have, you know bear in mind as an event organizer. Yeah, and also it was really interesting to hear that uh, CES was cancelled by Microsoft this year, and um, they're, they're they're putting it on next year in 2021, the summer of 2021. That gives a very clear indication that this is not a short-term. Thing. You know, events will take a while to get back to what used to be called normal. Um, I mean, ARM apparently are looking to move events permanently as well, which I thought was really interesting. I, uh, I hadn't become aware of that. And um, it, it's, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change things a little bit. It was interesting to hear Vicky saying that um, hybrid events are here to stay and will add another choice of type of event. Um, when people think about the events they want to run in the future. So that was very interesting, you know, bringing innovation already to, to the sector. Again, huge thank you to both Vicky and Faye for taking time to come on and speak to us today. You can find the show on all the usual podcasting platforms or directly on the Bradfield Centre website under Events and Community. Mm-hmm.